Yes, sir. How you doing there, sir? Doing really, really good, man. Always good to link up. Yes, sir, man. Hey, everybody, we are on the segment of Real Rap, where we talk about real life, real things coming from real people, you know. And on this line, I would just like to, you know, do my introduction, you know. (laughs) This is a gentleman that I've known for 13 to 14 plus years. He means a lot to me. And I am going to confess on this podcast, right? Because I'm usually not a jealous type person, but I am right now because of his voice. And I had a situation digging through cassette single tapes yesterday and I ran into the father MC. Everything's going to be all right. (laughs) Boy, was that a heart wrencher. You know, don't mind my shenanigans, guys. That's just how I am. But this bro has taught me a lot, not just from his words, but just from his actions. He goes by the name Cecil Daniels, man. But just to start it off, man, how are you doing, famo? Ah, man. First off, appreciate the the intro, man. And I want to send that love right back to you. Uh, Friend, brother, I am also a fan of you musically. And you already know what time it is on that. And uh, everything that we share is genuine. So I appreciate that. Before I answer the question about how I'm doing, I also want to put out a disclaimer early in our discussion. Is that cool? Absolutely. All right. Because, you know, my Christianese might not be, you know, reflected all through uh, (laughs) everything we speak on. So... (laughs) But I do, like, honestly want to say that anything that we share... Um, is always filtered through means of grace, means of salvation, uh, Jesus Christ at the head, you know, of, of my life, and the word as a light and a lamp. Um, and so uh, I'm responsible to that. I'm accountable to that. And I'm in love with that. So that being said, my brother, today I'm doing good, man. Um, for my job, I'm involved a lot in Washington State's legislative session. And so it's a ton of work, but um, I do get to sleep good at night knowing that a lot of the work I'm involved in helps uh, families that need it, man. So, yeah, I'm good. Man, well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing good, man. And I can say the same for myself. Um, I've been wrestling with sleep patterns, but, you know, that's been getting adjusted and I feel refreshed mentally, spiritually and physically. So I'm up and alert and I'm sipping on this uh Tracy's tea, and I have to hook you up with this sometime, my brother. Some Tracy's tea, feeling awesome, fantastic. So, with that being said, famo, man, would you mind uh, giving the background, you know, of your life, man? Where you from? Where you come from? You know, how you grew up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great place to start. So, uh, I'm from Virginia, man. Richmond, Virginia, born. Um, my roots of my family are in North Carolina. So. Uh, Virginia, North Carolina. Um, I was raised in Virginia, man, until I was about eight years old. And from there, um, being a military brat at that time, you know, my mom was married to uh, my dad, who's in the army, and we moved to Germany. Spent my formative years in a military community over in Europe, in Frankfurt, Germany. So that's elementary school, middle school, high school. Then we end up moving to Washington State my senior year. 
So, you know, I, I graduated out here in, in the town of Lacey, Washington, where I now have my family from the fabulous Timberline High School, Go Blazers, you know. Um, back in 19, <laughs> you feel me? It was in the 90s, that golden era. And, um, you know, I would just say as of now, I, I have uh, settled back into this area, you know, um, with my family, uh, my wife, Linda, and my four children, Lauren, Jada, Isabella, and, and Gabriel. So that's a little bit about where I'm from and, and where I am. And I'm happy to, to say more. Oh, man, absolutely. And with that being said, you know, because I remember you shared with me a few stories, you know, as far as your upbringing and where you came from. And also, it's crazy, you know, how me and you first met over at a gentleman, a guy named Daniel, yeah. over in um, Vancouver, I believe. Yes, sir. In 2007. Huh? And <laughs> man, that was a minute. That's crazy. And I remember, like I told you off the horn, like I remember, you know, me, I'm kind of, I'm very introverted. And I remember at first, I remember before I didn't know you, I was like, man, does this guy like me? You know, and that's just how I am with a lot of people. And it's crazy how when I interacted with you again, it was like we hit it off. And it's crazy how that happened when I was in town. And even with that being said, I remember at this time, I was uh, going to a previous church, you know, that was like down the block. And then, you know, my mother and my aunt, they were going to another church. And that so happened to be the church uh, where Cecil was going and where he was serving at as a youth pastor. And it's crazy because when I went with my aunt and my mom, it was like seeing all the friends, seeing Cecil, seeing everybody i felt like oh man this is where all my boys is at and i remember at that time when i started actually going to this church later on like you know just going i just remember just from that point on ended up being a youth servant leader <laughs> that was actually serving under uh, cecil and that was quite the experience but before to get into that i'm gonna press the rewind button and i felt led to ask this question so with both of us being believers, blood bought, saved, you know, saved by grace through faith. Yeah, man, would you mind giving your testimony, your story on how you came to know Jesus? What an honor uh, to, to have that question be asked because um, the, the it's a privilege to be able to share what God has done in our lives, right? So, for, so for me, man, the best way to put it would be, and I, and I was thinking about this uh, just the other day as I was sharing faith with somebody, man. Like coming up, I was a type of like young boy, and it's funny because I see it in my son that just had like a really sensitive heart, you know, from a, from a young age. And, you know, I thought about God, but I never really like engaged in it. But growing up, you know, my family certainly went to church when I was younger but I never really engaged in what would be faith for myself. And so when I became a young adult, um, you know, I just lived however I wanted to live. Just so happened that I was a, a, a guy that I would consider, I had great intentions and what I would call a good heart, but I just had terrible character, terrible, man. you know, made choices that hurt myself, made choices that hurt other people. Um, I could go down the laundry list of stuff, man, stuff that I'm not proud of. But I'm so thankful for um, a day after a long season 
And I mean, probably from the year, from between the ages of 18 and 24, 25 years old, man, of just uh, living in uh, outright ignorance and rebellion to who God would be in my life, settling for temporary pleasure. Uh, God met me. Um, at this time, I was actually living in Seattle. You know, I can remember just feeling this pull on my heart to just no longer be hanging out as much. And that's fine. All right, cool. I'm, I'm a homebody. So I'm sitting at home and I'm watching uh, basketball, you know, but then I'm feeling a pull to no longer be as much into the TV, but to like crack open this Bible that I had. So I'm doing this for a period of weeks and it's very weird. It's, it's very weird uh, because it's just not me. I'm the guy that wants to go get social, not knowing that God was going to reveal that I was doing that to try to fill up empty places. Long story short, man. One of those times of, of hanging out, reading the Bible on the floor, God took me to, to Romans uh, in the fifth chapter. Essentially, the the whole chapter is speaking, or that, that beginning piece is speaking to how, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. And um, the word that stuck out to me specifically, man, was uh, God demonstrates his love toward us demonstrates it was that word demonstrate that god used to take the the scales off my eyes and help me first to see myself as in need of a savior and then to see god um as a merciful god who sent one to die on the cross for me man and um in that moment i felt that i had been looking for love i think that i had been dealing with love whether it was friendship love or love and relationships and all that but they could never quite live up to what real love was. But when I read demonstrates his love, it was like all of a sudden I understood what real love was. And it looked like a sacrificial death on the cross. So in that moment, man, um, I didn't really too, too much understand what was happening about God in church, but I just knew that I had, I had wronged God. And it was like, God started showing me in crystal clear HD, all of the choices that I had made that were against him, man. And I just remember being on my face, apologizing and ask for him to forgive me and to just lead my life. And so from there, that moment that I had uh, in my my house in Seattle, uh, I then started attending a church and then, you know, the walk began. So there's some there's something to that. You know what? I want to tell a little story, actually a quick story about uh, when I started attending church. Absolutely. Go ahead. You know, it's a really tender time, you know, when you first start walking with God, right? It seems like uh, prayers are answered more clearly. Confirmation seems to come more clearly uh, from the word or just things you experience, right? But um, so after getting saved, what the only thing I knew to do was to go to church, right? So I started on Wednesday nights attending Bible study at New Life Baptist Church, which would eventually become my home church. And our pastor, uh, Pastor Anthony Obi, was teaching. And he was teaching on a subject. Uh, and in the middle of that Bible study, he stopped and he said, the Holy Spirit is telling me that there's someone in here that is saved by God, but doesn't understand it. So he stopped what he was teaching, ran through the plan of salvation in the scriptures, had everyone in the um, in the church pray so that, you know, no one would feel singled out and then got right back into his message. 
And, you know, at the time he didn't know, like that was for me because I was the one sitting there that had this amazing experience with God that showed me his love, that showed me that I needed to confess and repent. But I didn't understand um, what the word salvation meant or righteousness or anything like that. And so that that moment was pivotal to me in my relationship with Pastor Obi and trust. And it was also pivotal to me that like God would would be the one to order my steps, so to speak. Mm. And that right there, man, that, there's a lot of meat in what you just said. You know, you, you explaining that and then that leads into another question just to piggyback off of that. So. So what would you say, because I know when I came, you know, when I ended up going to New Life and that ended up being my church home for a, for a few seasons, um, what did you say led you into being a youth pastor there at that time? Like, what was the main thing that had you be into that position as far as being a youth pastor? <laughs> wow, man, this is so ill. So I uh, was at home you know, with, with my wife. She was uh, pregnant with our twins. And, you know, we started just going to bed early, just getting more rest. She was working um, while she was pregnant and I could just tell it was having an impact on our body. So we would go to bed early, like really early, sometimes like around seven. And one night we were just, you know, relaxing before bedtime. And I told her, I said, I feel a pull in my heart to just go up to the church and start working with, um, you know, the person that was uh, doing the youth at the time. And so um, I did. I was very nervous to do it because I was absolutely terrified of teenagers, man. You know how teenagers get down. You know, they can roast you real quick. You yep. go with the wrong haircut, the wrong shoes or whatever they gonna get on. And I, and I also felt like, man, teenagers are not necessarily gonna listen. But I did feel a, a pull to go just be involved, offer my hands and, and my heart if necessary. Just so happened that after doing that, it quote unquote felt right. You know, so I, so, okay, God, you're still leading me in this. And then um, I went to this conference, man, with men from our church called Manpower. It was sponsored by T.D. Jakes, Bishop T.D. Jakes and his ministry. I mean, an amazing time in Charlotte, North Carolina. But while we were in one of the night sessions, the preacher for the evening began to unpack the text that he was going to preach from. And it was the, the place in scripture where Jesus called Peter out onto the water. And essentially he said, you know, to Peter, you know, or Peter was saying to him, Lord, you know, if it's really you, to, you know, tell me to come. And Jesus essentially says, come, right? And when the, when the preacher read the word come from the Bible, again, this is all experiential, but it's my experience. That word hit me like a bolt of lightning. Mm. And I was on the ground uh, in this stadium with like 21,000 men, man, just weeping like a baby because I felt like God had saved me in that room. And now he was beginning the process of calling me closer into relationship, into like a particular kind of service. And so it was at that uh, conference that I felt in my heart, you know, as I'm writing in my journal and praying that I was called to really like work with you. Fun fact, on our plane ride back, I'm sitting beside, you know, uh, a brother in the faith that happened to be a, a white guy. And we start talking and I ask him, well, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a youth pastor. 
And he started talking to me about what youth pastors do, blah, 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 blah. And I think that was really the final kind of straw of confirmation that God was showing me. And so I went and I talked to, to Pastor Obi. I entered into a period of uh, fasting and prayer just to be sure, you know, that it just wasn't my flesh. Because I hope to get to talk about ministry with like wrong motives. Mm. Um, so a period of fasting and prayer came back to Pastor Obi and was just very clear that God was calling me to minister to and serve youth and young adults uh, in our local church. Man, that's a crazy thing to know because like the, there's a lot of layers that I didn't even know that I'm just learning right now. And I would just say a testament to that, you know, just to kind of like, you know, forward the gears with that. Um, when I started going to New Life um, Baptist Church, when I was a youth servant leader, I just remember one of the main things that you did for me, which was which was interesting at the time through my experience, was out of everybody, um, you were one of the main few men that actually reached out to me outside of church. And I remember at that time, like you were like one of the only ones, even in the midst of the time, you know, because you wear a lot of hats. You know, you got family, you had ministry, you had a lot going on, but for some reason, you took your time out to reach out. Um, and you poured into me at that time. And there was a lot of things, even not just as an artist, but just as a, uh, a younger black man um, that's a believer. And there was a lot of things that, you know, that you said to me and that you poured into me, you know, at that time that still stick with me to this day. And even with that, I have a question of regarding to what you're saying, like after getting that confirmation. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> with that being said, like, what would you say, you know, at that time, you know, what would you say right when you stepped into ministry? What would you say was your first curveball that you encountered, like when you started serving as a youth pastor, like that you didn't even expect? <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so it was two things. The first one was having the opportunity to be a pioneer, which is essentially building something that's that's not there. Right. So um, I honor and affirm all of the people that did youth ministry at New Life before I was there. You know, I could spend a whole bunch of time calling out names. I wasn't the first. There were people before me based on, you know, instructions, you know, from Pastor Obi. You know, my, my goal being in that space was to actually build um, out from what we were doing with teenagers and actually build a functional youth ministry, if you will. And so that was the first curveball, because you want to be able to go into something that's that has a plan and a structure and, you know, resources and people and all that. And, um, you know, I had a book and, and I had Pastor Obi's ear to, to talk to. So that that was the first one. And I think the second one was just like low level church drama. You know, I can remember, uh, and this was like back in the early 2000s, you know, for anybody that's listening. You know, it was it was a sis that uh, was doing something with, uh, with fine arts in the church. And we had like a scheduling conflict. The sis sent uh, like a wild email to the pastor, like just speaking on me, essentially things that weren't true. It was my first curveball because you got to remember this guy that that is radically saved, you know, from from my sins and all the stuff that I was doing. 
there is a cleansing effect that comes with that man and we know there's a spiritual right but you just feel clean in that early stage mm. but there's some naivety that comes with that too and it's that when you go into the church space that hey that's where everybody's there for you know what i'm saying and so i hadn't quite matured to understand all the dynamics and nuance of church so when sis sent the email to the pastor essentially lying and then pastor Ovi, you know hit me up to talk about it i mean i felt like all my defenses rising like yo i, I didn't do that or you know i, I talked to her what, what's up and then pastor Ovi sent me um a, a one sentence response man that stays with me to this day when I um, ultimately was trying to defend myself and that response was grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ mm. and what he was telling me in that was like hey this is this is what he was telling me without telling me he was saying hey you have now moved into the service of the Lord and things like this are going to be commonplace I know your character and I trust you. So in order for you to deal with these things well, you're going to have to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ so that you can love people better and so that you can put small curveballs like this in their proper place. Mm. And man, even with that being said, the crazy thing was I remember being one of the youth servant leaders. The thing I can really say that I appreciated about you, bro, was this. You know, the setup, you know what I'm saying? You have a restaurant, right? And you have the front of it, you know, where you're getting served the food, what's on the menu, you're getting all these meals, appetizers, dinners, all of that, right? And then on the behind end, you have the kitchen. And a lot of times with people, especially whether you talk about, I mean, metaphorically, whether you talk about the industry, whether you talk about trying to get to where you want to go, but what, or are you talking about as somebody that's serving the Lord and, you know, you're talking about, oh, you're a youth pastor or you're a pastor or what have you, you know, a lot of people, they see the food, they see the front end, but they don't see the kitchen. Um, they don't see what goes on in the kitchen, the preparation, the cooking, you know, the preparing. Yeah. And I would just say from me to you, one thing that I've learned a lot was you gave us tidbit nuggets of the kitchen, actually giving us a like, you know, just just hitting us with it. Because, you know, it's one thing to get information. It's another thing to actually like live in it. And actually, you know, you're in it now. But you gave us a lot of kitchen stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know on, on what to look out for but also what to pray yeah, about yeah and and it was always for me it was always a heart check you know and that's what i would say that's very helpful i could only say just for me was because you know me my you know not to make it about me this podcast but just the you know the what the 30 second trailer like me i wasn't raised up in church like that so the first church I went to where I got saved, the thing was, I didn't know church etiquette. I didn't know church lingo. I didn't know Christianese. I didn't know denominations. I didn't know none of that stuff. So I'm coming in fresh off. And so even with the years of the first church I was a member of, and then when I ended up going to the New Life Baptist Church, I was still in that state of like, you know, there's a lot of Christian stuff I don't know about. I'm still I'm still kind of fresh. I mean, there's things I know I grew, but it was a lot of stuff I didn't really know. 
And so when it came to me being a youth servant leader, there it was a it was a training ground for me. It largened up a certain capacity in me. And um, it was crazy because transparent, you know, for my listeners, it's one of those things, man. From my position, I'm coming in. I don't speak as eloquent as everybody else I, or I don't feel as I'm, I'm as deep as everybody else. And I feel like, you know, well, why would Cecil pull me to the side and talk with me about this? Like, I didn't know. I'm like, all, all I was focused on was on the flesh side. I'm like, man, I don't know this. I, I don't think I'm deep enough in that. But you know the saying, you know, the cliche saying, but it was real in this moment. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. Mm. That right there was a livid moment for me, being under the leadership. And in that, with us under ministry, there was a whole lot we've experienced yes, together uh, front end and yeah. back end and um with that being said like getting the backing of your life you know of your testimony and also what drove you to um being a youth pastor also within the church we were in for the listeners just to give context it was pretty much a predominantly black church and you know that there's culture you know, and there's a lot of things in there. And that's another thing I was still learning. You know, I'm learning like different cultures of the church and I'm, I'm still kind of like, okay, what's this, what's that? And my growing period at that time. And I remember it's just one of those things where you transition from that church to another yeah. church. And the difference for me was just to be honest, I've only known like, you know, predominantly black church, like the first church, second church. But then when you move to a, to say more so going from the choir to a band right 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 yeah <laughs> like yeah. just just to sum it like that i would say like with that transition for yourself um transitioning from the church we were at you know at new life baptist into the next church as far as like different church cultures per se what would you say that transition was like for you as far as like adapting to like, you know, the church cultures within like how worship is done and how different things is done, you know, from the other church, from New Life Baptist to the other church, like we were at, like, what was that transition like to you? Like where, when you got there, was it like you were automatically like, I'm used to this or yep, I'm with it. Or was it, did it take some adjusting? Mm. That's, that's really, really good. And it's multi-layered. Um, so I'd like to yeah. take a, a hit the rewind button and go back to my time at New Life. This the season of me being a youth pastor and coming to the end of that was really the first transition that ended up pressing the button towards this transition that you're that you're referencing, right? Um, and right. suffice it to say, you know, I I was a youth pastor at New Life for well over a decade. You know, I can remember mm. times, man, where it would just be me and, and one young person. I can remember times of just opening up the church on Friday, bringing my video game systems up there and having, you know, people from the church make sandwiches just so that kids could have a place to go that might not be a wild party. No, no real um, volunteers or anything like that to getting to the place where you could raise up and disciple and invite young adult serving leaders like yourself and like other people that I had the opportunity to raise up. It was just a lot of building. And when you when you are a part of building something, you know, you're just you're super invested, right? And so leaving that in and of itself was tough. It was a, a 
it made me just really look at myself you know thank you god for that right like well well cecil has a part of your identity become wrapped around being pastor c when really mm. you're just you know cecil son of god the transition wasn't as comfortable as i would have liked it to be and you know you don't always get an opportunity to to jump out there and, and say everything because it's not for everybody so that wasn't super comfortable i actually took a sabbatical because it just had a lot going on so just a time of rest right and i didn't know that in church culture <laughs> in some church cultures that when people heard the word sabbatical that their mind went to oh well a person in ministry is being that's like a cold word for them being sat down for something negative that they did so i think right. when i was just taking a time of rest because you know of heavy load um between work and ministry because i always did full-time work and full-time ministry that there were some people that were thinking that you know maybe i was being sat down so that you know and, and on and on right and you know if you ask me i can unpack that stuff too so then my transition to to the next church was really like two parts it was one the honest conversation about uh, about leaving with the people that i cared about and and most importantly pastor Oak. man i could see it like to this day like us sitting down at sherry's and just having some heart to hearts. And then ultimately, like when I made the transition to, um, when I made the decision to transition our family out, it did come after my time of sabbatical, which was just time for prayer. And I just felt that it was the, the best decision to make. Just just tough because I, I loved Pastor Obi. I still love him to this day. Um, I love new life and I love new life to this day. Uh, uh, I was raised there. They listened to me preach my terrible, <laughs> terribly worded sermon. Sometimes they were patient with me. Um, the new life was and always will be home for me. But the time had come right. to transition. And so during my sabbatical, I started having coffee with um, the pastor of our church right now. His name is Russ Newkirk. And it actually was yeah. our time in coffee and a couple of visits that I took on my own that made the transition that you asked me about in the question a little easier. If you combine um, the time that mm. I had spent with him having coffee and just talking about, you know, what he was preaching on and just talking about life and ministry. If you combine that with the fact that I am a military kid and because military kids, parents, you know, you know, I was eight years old, man, and got taken from my grandma's yard in Virginia to the back of this housing complex in Frankfurt, Germany, playing GI Joes with people I ain't even know. So there's like something built into you that says adapt. If you combine those two things and the grace of God, it made the transition to stuff like different worship style. Like, oh, we can have coffee in this joint. You know, like all kind of just different, different vibes that wasn't there before. It made it a little uh, easier for me, for sure. And then I guess lastly, I would say before, maybe maybe five to six years into being a youth pastor man i had started um branching out and watching and looking at different um youth ministries and and, and a lot of them happen to be from what you would say predominantly white churches and i would take you know our young people to those conferences and so we were all i was already kind of getting exposure to that space so yeah that that's a little bit more of the nuanced answer oh and you know you know me you're not getting off the hook that easy my brother i'm with you so this is the question pertaining to everything you said because this is good so with you saying you getting glimpses 
here and there as far as, you know, taking the youth to different events, rather, where it was, you know, the culture, you know, predominantly white churches getting mm-hmm. a glimpse of it. What would you say was the middle ground of that and then you actually being in it now? So where it's not just getting like glimpses of, you know, just kind of getting an idea, but now you're in the idea. Like, what would you say? Walk me through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Simply, man, I would call it the difference between um, exposure and immersion. So if you think a teabag, you know, if you uh, if you dip it into the hot water, you've exposed it. Um, But not much happens to the beverage. But if you immerse the tea bag in the hot water, you know, uh, what's in it comes out and, you know, it changes uh, what the beverage really is. Right. So um, in our exposure to conferences, man, it really was just exposure to like really well set up systems like um, creativity. You know, there were there was merch and um, just different ways to engage and disciple young people. And that was always like a recharge for me because, you know, like ministry on the outside to some people looks glamorous, but it's just a grind. It's a grind that you don't always feel because you're doing it because God called you to it and you love it. And yet and still we live in a culture where like there's so much competing for the attention of young people. So that exposure helped me to just see different ways to engage young people and just help to expose expose them to different uh, stuff in that in that space. Um, now, being a, um, a member, right? Right. You're exposed to um, a lot more, and very much in the same way that I was exposed to various cultural things, whether it was church culture or culture of a particular race or whatever it might be. When I was a member of a predominantly black church, I see a lot more of that now, you know, that I have spent time at at my current church and um, served there and locked arms with some of my brothers and sisters. I definitely um, have seen and experienced more for sure. Oh man, and even speaking on that, rather um, to segue into the next question. But before I get to that, I would just say for me, it was interesting for me because the different terminologies rather like, and I may say the wrong term, so please forgive me, y'all. I remember like, you know, we're going with new life and around that time where it's like, yo, let's fellowship, let's get up, let's get it in, let's chop it up. And then hearing, oh, let's get some coffee. (laughs) <laughs> you already know what time it is. <laughs> yes. Flavor, flavor. You know? Let's grab coffee. Yes, sir. Let's get coffee. So it's funny, bro. When I first got approached with, you know, from a brother, um, you know, white brother that I love dearly, he approached like, hey, man, we should get some coffee sometime. And I'm like, okay. You know, because honestly, for me, there's nothing. I have nothing against coffee. I don't drink coffee like that. Right, right. <laughs> it's kind of like it threw me in the doozy because I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, I really don't want no coffee. <laughs> like, and that's just being honest. But I found out, oh, that's fellowship. Let's get up. Let's build. Let's break bread. Let's get up. Yeah. That's when I found out, like, the terminologies because I'm so used to the, like, yo, let's get it in. Let's chop it up. Let's link fellowship you know like i'm used to the, like the you know the draw but when it's like hey man let's go get some, we should get some coffee sometime i'm like 
I don't drink coffee, but okay, it's gonna be weird. You're gonna drink coffee. I'm not. So <laughs> that those those are thoughts in my mind, guys. Just letting y'all know, just being honest. And I'm in that, but then I learn like, oh, we're with fellowship, but we're getting it in. Okay, getting to know each other. Okay, got it. It's just the term. So for me, that was one of the ones that kind of took me to get used to. And also on the flip, even with the music, like it took me a minute, you know, cause I've had my glimpses as well, but it's one thing going from a choir to a band. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. mentally for me, I'm a music head. So at first for, for, for a couple years, it was a wrestle because I'm really trying to focus, you know, I'm used used to the person going in on the organ and going in. I'm used to people singing three 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 words for like ten minutes. I'm used to that. <laughs> for sure. And I remember the first time I remember what you know, giving you a rewind and we're gonna move it back forward. I remember my situation when, you know, I'm fresh off. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little rough, temper problems, anger problems, hurt, broken, all of that. And I'm coming to first church and I'm going to this church and I remember them saying three words for 10 minutes. And I'm looking at everybody and my legs is going out. I'm like, okay, Lord, what's going on? <laughs> it, it felt like playing the vinyls from the 80s where you got those 12 inch vinyls where it got those, those mega mixes for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like, bro, we are not, it felt like, oh, I'm listening to an Alexander O'Neill 12 inch mix. Like what's going on with me? You know, and it's funny because I tried to sit down and everybody was looking at me. I'm like, okay, I got to stand back up. So going for me, just giving you a, a thoughts in my mind, like with that, going from that, and it's not the uh, paint a brush on every single church, just to put that out there. Yeah, in fact. Just from my experiences, just to clarify. Um, and then going to a place where, oh, I can sit down. Or, oh, you know, oh, shoot, we out already? Like, that was that was the mind-warped thing for me. But then I think the main thing was the music because I'm trying to pay attention to the words and I'm trying to get into it. But as I grew in grace, even with me still having the heart and the love, like you said, about with New Life being the home and being the, you know, when you hear the choirs and everything, it, it's, it, it's, it strikes a certain part in me. And... It got to a point growing in grace to where I focused on the words. I focused on exalting Jesus um, to where I'm like, okay, let's get it. Um, but with that being said, I just remember one of the things that I've always wondered, even with where you came from, you know, from new life into the church that we, you know, both attend now and just in general, have you ever dealt with like undertone racial experiences as far as like going from New Life Baptist predominantly black and then to the next church like have you ever dealt with any racial experience tones within the church and if so um what was it and also how did it have you feel yeah heavy question because as black people specifically and black men in particular because that's the only space that I can speak from um, right we are consistently having to like process those types of situations and wonder, hey, was that out of pocket or was that just maybe ignorant and not knowing or you know, was that a real like was that an aggressive thing or passive aggressive? So I would say this, um, if I'm if I'm being honest in my heart, 
very little or, or very few. Um, but one one that stuck out to me was not specifically about me, but it was about former President Obama. And so this is wild, right? Because President Obama was a president and a president is a political office. And one of yeah. the things that I kind of noticed, maybe it is, uh, I don't know that it's specific to predominantly white culture, but like dealing with or talking about political things, particularly around church is like, it, it just doesn't happen. And you know, I have, mm. I have thoughts about that too, but um, it wasn't a political discussion at all. I had got to the place where I was uh, starting to teach and assistant teach uh, on Sunday mornings for, for the middle schoolers at church. So that was a huge blessing. We were just talking about the world in general. And one of the students, um, without raising their hand, just looked at me and said, my family hates Obama. Yeah, they hate, they hate everything he does. And then, you know, in the statement and obviously as a teacher in a classroom, you, you're trying to make sure we get back on track to the message because nothing I asked or said was even in that lane. So, so for this young person to bring that up was, was wild. And then what right. that does is it kind of... Um, paints a little asterisk in the back of your head like okay well what's potentially popping with this person's um parents or circle what are they what's being said at the dinner table mm. so so yeah you know there there was that and and maybe just a few other smaller things but you know that's one that kind of stands out for sure oh man well <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, my brother. Oh, man. It gets way too real when it, when it comes to oh. this stuff. And we can just set the platform and just say that the last two presidencies have, mm. yes, it's shaken the country and in some cases shaken the world, but it has shaken the church. Right. You know, there are so many issues that I think we've been able to hide behind the Jesus juke on. Yes when it comes down to love and neighbor and racism has been uh, a huge, a huge one of those issues. Yeah, I'm a piggyback off of the Jesus juke. I would say for me, it's one of those things. And I think I've discussed with this with you before, and this is not just to clarify this, what I'm saying to the listeners, this has nothing to do with anybody that's within the church I go to or any of that. So just to clarify, but there was a situation that I did face as far as with being a believer. And I'll never forget, and you know, I talk about it, you know, um, as Cecil said earlier, you know, I am an artist, I do music, and I have a song that actually talks about, expounds on one of my many experiences. And I would just say this, and I'm gonna tie it into something, then I'm gonna ask you another question if you don't mind. So for me, I would say for myself as a, as a believer, um, I remember uh, myself being black, um, being at this concert and it was a regular concert and there was an artist, you know, that was a Christian rapper. Um, that's why, you know, that was doing their thing and I'm there supporting. And at the end of the show, you know, the Christian rapper asked me, he was like, hey, you know, would you like to, you know, come with me and my buddies, you know, to go out and eat? And I'm like, sure. And so this this rapper, he had a, a couple people with him, actually a gang of people. And one of the people so happened to be a youth pastor. And I remember we went over to Denny's. I remember that night, which was interesting. Like, I'm the only black person there. Like, everybody was white. And there's no problem with me with people being white, but I'm saying it was just the interesting dynamic. And... <laughs> 
the weird and you know there's about seven eight of us or whatnot and i remember randomly and i didn't say one word but uh somebody within the group where i was sitting at they started saying black jokes you know what did the black man say to fill in the blank like those type of jokes yeah wow and they were looking at me kind of smirking when they said it and it just felt like you know when i'm the only black person there it's like it was like this feeling of their advantage and you know they and they look and they'll say the joke they all would laugh and i wasn't laughing so by the second or third joke i in my mind i'm like is this going on like what's going on like what should i do like like you said earlier like i had those thoughts like okay are they being passive aggressive or am i thinking about it too deep what's going on all these thoughts was in my mind and then by the third joke i said hey honestly i'm, I'm actually not a fan of any race jokes and then they proceed to keep going one of the main people that was saying it was a youth pastor and I know from that night, from that night, it kind of had me like messed up. And I know as a believers, it's just one of those things where a lot of times when it comes to anything racial, you know, talking about anything about racism, it's always glossed over with, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus loves everybody. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all about Jesus. But nobody really deals with the root, you know, and what's going on with somebody. And I think one of the main things that's very beneficial or just a step is taking our time out to get to know one another really understanding you know I, I understand the notion of when people say i don't see color but honestly for me it's like man you got to get to know where somebody comes from you know to understand them or where they come from like why they have the lens they have like why do they view things the way they do and really about loving your neighbor as you love yourself like it really is really tested in that time with everything going on with the presidential situations. And for me, I just started noticing like how, and I'm just gonna keep it very honest. It's one of those things with me being an artist, sometimes you would deal with people that were white that didn't know how to approach me on that because they didn't know what my response would be or how I would take it, you know, and I understand. You know, but I think for me, it's just one of those things where um, my experience is only speaking for me, being put in too many situations where, you know, you feel like you have to suppress everything. Because I remember having a situation happen with uh, a brother that's Caucasian and myself, and then it was something I was like, hmm. And then I pulled them aside and I asked them, you know, what did they mean? And, you know, tried to be graceful. And it's one of those things where they kept doing certain things. And I guess um, somebody came to decide, you know, as I told them directly and I told them, they were like, nah, that's not true. You know, he's a lover. Just, he wouldn't do that. And I think you're overthinking it, brother. And they started throwing some scriptures at me. And it had me to keep suppressing it because it had me like, do you think I'm lying? Do you think I'm just making assumptions? And sometimes what that can do without hearing somebody out, it'll bottle up. And for me, I, it bottled up for a minute, you know? And I know for me, it, it really drew me to the point of like wondering other people that may have felt that way before due to whether it's small instances or things that are blatant. And that was one of the main things that really hit me. But I will say this, and I'm gonna ask you a question. <laughs> and I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say it like this. I had a situation and it was a, I would say a mid, but kind of high, you know, it's potential. But I remember um, talking 
with a brother, you know, that white, you know, and we were talking and I can tell that they were getting comfortable, you know, being around me, which is okay. And so we started talking about music and we were talking about a group. Um, it was a, a rap group or a Christian rap group, you know, that consists of three Caucasian brothers, you know, that are very great at what they do. And this brother made it a point to say, I don't, well, yeah, they're cool, but I don't like the one dude. I don't like how he sounds. And I'm like, why, why do you say that, bro? And he said, quote, unquote, because he sounds too black. Wow. wow. So in my mind, when that was said, there's questions like, okay, am I looking into it too deep? Um, do I brush it off? Like, what do I do? Because it, it threw a curveball for me. And honestly, I took the road of, you know, hey, you know, kind of brush it off. Like, all right, you know, but I, but then I started thinking, I'm like, wow, that's a little deep. Because, you know, people ask us questions, well, what, is, what does black sound like? Like right, those little right, questions, absolutely. you know, and, and that's multi-layered. Yep. You know, I don't want to spend the whole podcast diving all into that. But with everything going on, like you say, with the presidents and with George Floyd and how that happened and how that brought about situations and how, you know, how things can happen, you know. You know, and like the saying goes, you know, if you want to see what's on the person's heart, look through the YouTube yes, comments. Sir. <laughs> look through the Twitter. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all of us, you know, in different that's, that's areas. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to exclude myself. I'll just say that when it comes to us as people, that shows the, the temperature of the heart where that's at. And around that time, as you would know it, as I would know it, um, a lot of things started getting wild on the socials to where behind the scene conversations were had or all of that stuff going on, talking about the time, you know, with George Floyd and then fast forwarding it around like last year up to a certain point. And with things you may have seen and things that may have been revealed to you, were there any internal wrestles that you were like dealing with in that season of time as far as that period of time where you saw certain responses that may have came from believers with everything going on? Were there any internal wrestles that you had due to that with everything going on? Yeah, a hundred percent. When you combine all of that with the global pandemic, you're kind of forced to deal with a lot of that internally, right? So just clarification for me, uh, the, the social media platforms that I'm the most active on are Twitter is basically where I get my news from. And then, you know, shout out to Black Twitter whenever I need um, a laugh. They always come through for me. Um, yes. You know, and shout out to somebody that's going to hear this and go searching for Black Twitter. And it's just like, it's not a place that you can find. You just, if you in it, you know. <laughs> so so there's that. But then, um, and then Instagram, which I'm, I'm pretty much on a little uh, break from right now. My wife and other people that I know have like Facebook and other things. And I know there was a lot more energy and um, back and forth going on in that platform. I never mm. really saw things with my eyes that made me look look or feel a certain way you know i might hear it secondhand and then you know at that point it just kind of is what it is going back to just making simplistic things that are prejudice things that like have uh things and dynamics and situations where people are partial to one group better than the other we already know the country that we live in and the dynamics behind certain systems and, and history, you know, so there's that, right? Though all of those things, man, I, I expect in a broken world, those are the impacts of, of sin. 
the biggest wrestle that I had internally, man, uh, was not what's happening in the world. It was the response or lack thereof, the apathy, the hey, whatever it doesn't affect me ism, you know, from my white brothers and sisters in the big cap, you know, the capital C church, you know, across America for sure. Just it was just very uh, disappointing, man. It was very, very disappointing. And it made me um, step back. I know that, you know, there's a ton of conversations out there, right? But one of them is, well, you know, we'll just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Christianity is this white man's religion. You know, Roman Empire spread their joint and forced people to do it anyway. You know, it's responsible for most of the conflict in the world and, you know, all the things that people will come out and say. And um, I'm, I'm not tapping into that because we know where Christianity started and we know that it's not made up by by white people, basically. It's a, it's a Middle Eastern religion. So right. there's that. Um, there's but, that. So, right. so just putting the, putting the stops on that because it's not, I won't throw out my faith that I clung to. You know, the Jesus that met me in that room that I spoke of early um, would be grieved also that brothers and sisters of, of different races don't love each other. And so what, what was happening to just to put a pin on it and bring out something specific, the killings of unarmed black men by police was highlighting other conversations about systemic racism, about economic inequality and the wealth gap, about um, education and all other aspects of race that um, are really baked into the history of our country. And, you, and we were seeing murders, you know, on, on TV. And then there was a lot of a response around, well, hey, what did Buddy do for that to happen? Versus, hey, that wasn't cool. Never mind, in the same time frame, we probably were seeing people that weren't black being, um, you know, in contact with police and making it out like pretty good. You know, I'm chasing you around the car instead of, um, you know, shooting you in your back or whatever it might be. And so when you see something so blatant like that and, and like everybody's not on the, on the same page, it definitely is uh, heartbreaking and frustrating. I will take time, though, and I'll give um, Pastor Russ Newkirk a shout out because uh, yes, during that time, I'm going to keep it a buck. Russ is a, is a white dude from Tumwater, Washington, man. <laughs> you know, he grew up in Tumwater. Not a ton of black people around. Yep. But Russ is, uh, first of all, an honest, real dude. He's a hooper and legitimately loves Jesus. And so, like, when things were popping, he uh, reached out, you know, probably unbeknownst to anybody unless they listen to this. And um, that meant a lot to me. Not not reached out to try to solve yeah. things, not reached out to try to, mm -hmm. like, unpack all the issues, but just reached out in support and prayer um, and checking on me. So that meant that he understood the heaviness of what was going on. And um, I can't say enough about how much that meant due to the internal struggle that I was having. The same. Shout out to Russ. He hit me up, too. And I think that's I think, you know, just to kind of like uh, tie that in. And I'm talking even years back with the Alton Sterling. Like, yeah, even years before. And me and Russ having a conversation that was for hours because he wanted to ask me questions. Like you said, just somebody just reaching, just the compassion. And I would just say um, the same, I can also vouch for that as well. It does a lot, just to be honest, when you know that your pastor like truly cares, it, it really hits home. And it's not a gimmick, it's not fake, it's real and it's compassion. And I would say that's a huge thing 
because with everything going on with him reaching out to me and also I also want to give a uh, another shout out to uh, Greg Santi that reached out to me personally and and look in sidebar I don't claim everybody to drop their bags and stop their world from that's not where I'm coming from just to clarify but it was just something great to know that there's brothers that actually care that would come over and be like, hey, man, let's link up and talk. I'll, I'll be in it with you. Let me talk with you. Let me take my time out to get to know you, not make it about themselves. They free, you know, being selfless. And it really helped me, you know, to where that brother would come over every Thursday to where, you know, for a year straight um, just to get to know me on a deeper level when it come to all of these things. And um, as you would say, uh, see, it's one of those things for me. Imagine on my side, right? Because <laughs> you, as you say, twit, twit, Twitter is your goon. <laughs> Come on, Twitter is your goon, right? I not only have Twitter, I have Instagram, I have Facebook, and the only reason being for the extra socials is sense of humor stuff and music stuff. That's it. No drama, no unnecessary stuff, no keyboard warrior stuff. This mainly just that, but. As for me, with my eyes, you know, being, you know, as they say, the windows to your soul, rather, um, there was a lot that was being in my face, even without me trying to look for it, without me trying to see it. And so, like you said, man, in this broken world we're in and with everything going on and also the responses to with everything going on, it was it was saddening when any type of event happens in the world. I, I look at it as a test. Basically, I look at it as a heart temperature. Every event that happens is just to show where our hearts are truly at. And that's past the scriptures that are screamed out and quoted for the for the average brother and sister in the Lord or the artist that screamed Jesus 50 million times on songs. It really gets down to the grizzle when these situations would occur. And you know the saying that everybody says and that I say all the time, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that speaks volumes to a lot of people. And we're in a time right now, especially in this day and age, where people's ears are broken. They ain't trying to just hear something, they trying to see something. And so with everything going on, I think it also on the scope is, is to show the response you know, that the church has on things as a whole in, in a lot of areas. It's been a lot of that going on, you know, but just to kind of like tip it right back around with everything that you said up to this point, with all of these things going on, with you kind of taking like a break from Instagram, which bro, I don't blame you for that. Because <laughs> that's a great place to be. But I will say with everything going on, with the responses and with, with the different things, you know, speaking out, like what would you say your walk with God was with through all of this going on? Like how was that with you, with you and God? Like how was that? Wow, man. Some of the most honest prayers I've ever prayed, if I had to just put it simply, because, um, you know, I remember just talking with my son the other day about faith and just the basic premise is that it's belief and trust and, and putting the weight of who you are on God who you can't see and have never seen. But he's given us a measure of it. And that's what we live by. And yet we are living in a world, particularly with, with all of the information sources, uh, social media, regular um, mainstream media, you know, TV, radio and all that, newspapers, where we are seeing things that are really happening. 
So we understand that, you know, in, in many in many ways since Jesus died, we've been um, and that we are kind of in that time where the love of many would, would grow cold, as the scriptures would say. So like what we're seeing is not surprising. Right. But it is uh, it, it can be disheartening just on a regular human level. So just talking to God um, about that. And um, I, I think I got to say this. It's important to, to for me to honor and affirm the church. You know, it is the vehicle that God ultimately decided would carry the good news and represent him in the earth. As humans, man, we haven't always lived up to God's standard. We haven't always done it well. Sure, there, there's hypocrites and, and, and all that kind of stuff at church and stuff. And even, you know, this racial divide that we're talking about. And yet with all those imperfections, God would still choose to use the church to push forth the message of salvation in Jesus Christ, man. And to me, that's amazing. But it's also been like, that's been some of the places of my largest hurts in my walk with God has been like having an expectation of things at church and it not going a certain way. Mm. But all that does is remind you to um, love your neighbor. Don't pile up a ton of expectations on your neighbor. Love God and trust that God is all of the things that are um, illustrated in his attributes. And a few of them are, you know, we know he's all knowing, he's everywhere and he's all powerful. So although what we see is chaotic and hurtful, um, God has something better. Facts. I mean, that's, pre that's pretty much what it is. Because like you said earlier with what you were talking about, where, you know, when people because that's a, one of the things that I've noticed, even with everything going on, like I watch people walk away and I've had raw conversations with people with everything going on, where it's like they're like, you know, I'm through with them, through with Christianity, I'm through, you know, and me having those difficult conversations with them. It's been crazy as far as like the conversations I've had and like you said you hit on it and that's the reason why i would say for me you know where it's like it's not like oh well, with certain experiences oh well forget church forget quit now nah, i'm still connected to jesus man keeping the main thing the main thing not to overlook you know what's going on and everything but at the same time it's really focusing on jesus in the midst of all of this because when you lose sight of that if we lose sight of that things could get really crazy and i've seen that play out in front of me last year about five to six people that i know personally and it's, it's just crazy i think at the end of the day it's one of those things where with my interactions and conversations, even just to tie in, even with the bro Greg, I just remember um, on my side, when we were talking, I didn't expect him to know, like, know what it feel like, cause he hasn't, he's not in my shoes. He hasn't lived how I live. He hasn't experienced what I experienced. And it's one of those things to give that grace room when people reach out. It may be difficult at times due to a lot of the experiences we've dealt with, but it's one of those things to be like, hey, like, you know, they're really trying to reach out for the people that reach out or whoever the case may be is really giving that grace space. There's a lot of areas as believers to give that same grace space because there were other situations where we were on the other side where there was grace space for us. And I just think uh, that's very key, you know, like that's very, 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 very key you know to stay connected to stay plugged in um because it's easy to just 
you know, I mean, I may be off the wall, off the word, but it's one of those things where we in a time with everything going on, where you got people that speak to your emotion, where especially with social media, with everything going on, there's pros and cons, because even with everything going on, you add the extra dynamic to where everybody got a voice now. Oh my goodness. It's, it's, it's so many voices, bro. And it's easy, and that's one of the main things. I'll put it to you like this. I'm can, can I can I pull a seesaw on the seesaw real quick? Can I can I pull you on the you? <laughs> Let's get it. All right, about it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so here we go. <clears throat> I'm gonna try my attempt. So here we go. No so, doubt. I'm, I'm starting the process now. Let's get it. All right. <laughs> Loading. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a time, you know, me as a music artist. Um, I remember I linked up with an um, R&B singer and he wanted to take me to the studio he was going to, like a, like a phenomenal studio. And he wanted me to just be with him in this session. And I'm like, it's an honor. So he came, scooped me up, we on our way. And he told me like, yo, I also got two of my other friends coming. I'm like, cool. So me and this artist made it to the studio, right? Mind you, this artist, he paid a four hour block, a studio block which was like, I think it was like a hundred an hour. Like it's no joke, so $400. So in the midst of that time, we got there like about 10 minutes early to his studio time, right? Two minutes till the studio time, his two friends came through. Like this R&B artist, two friends came to the studio session, right? Then out of nowhere, like five to 10 to 16 people came through after the second friend that came in the door. And the artist is like, yo, what's all these people? Like, who are all these people? And what happened was one of the friends that the R&B artist invited, he didn't clear it with the R&B artist. He just initiated, he just mainly went on his own merit and invited all this extra people to the studio session, right? Okay. So now we have a studio session with like 20 people in this studio and it's crowded, bro. The R&B artist is hot. <laughs> and the R&B artist, you know, what happened was, um, I guess one of his friends invited somebody and that, person that he invited invited somebody and that person that they invited invited somebody and so on and so forth so now you got a clouded studio the r&b singers trying to record this song everybody's critiquing no man you need to sing it like this no you need to do it like that other people like hey man you know let me get that beat let me rap on this my friend let me take it it was so many critiques to where by the end of the studio session he didn't get one song done so we in the studio session, all these voices are happening. So many voices to where nothing got done. And he paid $400 for a four hour block with not even like one verse laid down. Like he didn't record one thing. Everything got erased. Everything kept getting critiqued to where nothing happened. Right? Mm. So Cecil time, analogy time. A lot of times in this world we live in and it could be so crazy it could be so many voices going on to where nothing productive happens that's good yeah because yeah. god's voice is sunk down the volumes turned down but we got all these other voices do this do that hey do it like this do it like that it's so many voices going on we live in a noisy time to where we can't hear god clear and so with everything going on like the studio session the dude didn't get productive nothing got done he lost focus on what he was supposed to do because it was too many voices in the mix. And that's how we're equated to nowadays when it comes to these events and everything going on, there's too many voices we tune into 
to where God's voice get lost in the shuffle. And some of those voices kind of cater to our flesh. Like, oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's right. But it don't lead to no good. Come on, man. So I wanted to just say that when it come when it came to all these events, that was my wrestle. <laughs> and it's crazy because I'm having all these conversations. I'm seeing all these people say these things, but I had to unlock and unload. So I'm like, you know what? Let me unplug myself from that. Like I'll get on boot and get out because there's so many voices going on. And like I heard a gentleman say earlier today, the fact of it is, is sometimes it's not even that, okay, that's great that, okay, we can have a voice, but I think the problem is is people don't look at the responsibility of that voice. People just speak. Yeah, come on. And so you, so you got a lot of fat. And so with these events going on, it's just a lot of fat around the meat. And with everything going on, um, the people that I talked with, with the current events or with uh, earlier events, they got caught up into the fat to where they ended up leaving. Oh, I'm through with this, da 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 you know, and just dipped off. But this is one of the things, man, in the midst of every believer out there, man. I know it may sound simple and elementary um, in my terminology, you know. I, I would just say, man, with everything going on, man, like like Big Homie said a minute ago that still stick with me, man, like you a phone. You got to keep plugged in, man, because when you don't, you lose juice and you may shut off. That's facts. So simple, as you would say, simplistic. Um, you got to stay plugged into Jesus, man, in the midst of everything going on, because in the midst of that, he renews your mind. Man. And that's what helped me um, with everything going on, with all these voices, with all these emotions, like, you know, rising and not just that, but just lingering in it. And it's easy to get caught up in that, but there is no, it's fruitless or it's not fruitful. You know, to where you're lost in the shuffle with those voices. And you got to be mindful of who speaks in your ear. You got to be mindful of who is speaking into you in the midst of everything going on. And it's just being mindful of what, you know, what, what you put your ear to. Because it's, it's a lot of different voices out there. Just be mindful of all these voices that are out there for my listeners, man. Because it's easy to get lost into the sauce of these voices. You know, um, and, and keep tuned into the main voice which is God, which is the word of God, man. Cause it's easy to get caught up in the word of men. Oh my so, gosh, man. Can can I just make a quick pivot point off of that? Sure. Um, first and foremost, will you talk about like, uh, first of all, that was an excellent analogy, man. I felt like I was watching a movie. So you really drew me in with that. But I just wanted to, um, to add for clarity for myself and all of us, staying close to God's voice and hearing God's voice helps us to discern the other voices. It helps us to understand how we should interact with the other voices or if we should interact with the other voices. And the reason why I say that is we, we started off kind of talking about the race in America's peace. And one kind of a statement that I'm hearing is, oh, we'll just keep it all about God. Feel me, and and that kind of statement being used to say, "Hey, this racial stuff that we're talking about is not about God." But if we're doing what you've asked us to do, and we're tapping into the voice of God, we we would hear very clearly from God to love our neighbor. And so now, even though there's these these plethora of voices out there trying to tell us to do this and trying to tell us to do that, if we are listening to God, we can't a run around on everybody's agenda. 
but two, we also can't put our head in the sand. And I think in many ways, America and Christianity, you know, in predominantly white spaces would prefer to do that because it's more comfortable and safe. So listen to God's voice as he tells you and becomes that filter for the other ones. Man, see, here you go. See, why you got to do that to me? You at the Jordan. That's it. See, Chicago Bulls 9-6, baby. That's key. Yeah, I think that's all the questions I have, man. Like, that's pretty much that sums everything up. And I'm, I'm going to call this episode The Onion. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So we're going to go with that, man. But nah, that's that's what it was, man. That's all it is. This is something, you know, with real rap. This is just something just talking with, you know, people, you know, and expounding on what's on their heart and, and going through the deep stuff and unpacking, as you will. And I think, you know, there was a lot that was said. But with that being said, is there any last words you have, big bro? Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say I love you, man. And I appreciate you as my brother. Um you have just encouraged me in ways that, you know, that maybe your listeners wouldn't know. Um, and I just appreciate the fact that we have an authentic relationship. So that's the first thing I want to say. Second um, thing I want to say is in the midst of all of this, I want to just be mindful and prayerful for anybody out there that's listening to this, that's struggling in your walk with God, struggling to believe, struggling to walk by faith as opposed to what you've seen being tempted and pulled into spaces of sins and stuff like that that you thought you were done with um i just want to let you know i'm gonna be praying for you because i understand that people in our human strength are trying to cope with these times that we in and then lastly i want to say shameless plug my son gabriel and i have a podcast called the first step it's on spotify look that up tap in um and we would greatly appreciate you know a listen a rate and a subscribe man so please keep keep listening to real rap keep supporting link on all of his projects man and um i would say that's pretty much it man it's, it's been a great time absolutely man and you know as i will say for me to you i appreciate you as well man appreciate the you know the famship that we have yes, sir. and uh, that's what it's gonna be appreciate you man like like you said same more more than you know man i'll just say continue being who you are in christ and just being who you are man because i'm gonna tell you this right now man there's seeds that you planted people that you didn't even know that was planted that you did that was indirectly planted mm. that people still remember to this day and that's not fluff that's real People that reached out to me that I haven't seen since the uh, CG days. Yeah. That remember what you said. <laughs> and it just now hit them. That uh, That's from me to you. The, the reason why that's dope, and we could do this all day, so this really will be the last thing I'll say. The reason why that's dope <laughs> is because if anybody was listening to this, knew the Cecil pre-Jesus Christ, they would be like, what? Like that dude, the dude that was X, the dude that was Y, the dude that was Z, and they would be right about all the accusations that they said about me because it's true. But it just it's a thing where like people will be like, well, oh, God, God gets the credit. God gets the glory. Like in my life, it's a 100 fact. If it wasn't mm -hmm. for him, no seeds, no impact, no nothing. You know, I'm nothing without him. Man. Just to hear that is extremely encouraging. Um, and I thank you for sharing that. And it's a natural way to reflect back that glory on God, because without him, it just it, nothing, nothing would have popped at all. So same. And with that being said, man, all glory goes to God for real. Yes, sir. Above. But with that being said, man, just to echo the sentiments, man, 
check out my brother Cecil Daniels uh, and his son Gabriel's podcast that they got, man. It is such an awesome thing having a father and a son discuss sports and discuss things, man. It's fire. And so I will say directly, me to you, see, continue to do those because they are fire. And y'all need to check those out. But we going to end it like this, man. Everybody out there, man, hopefully you guys got something out of this. I pray that this blessed you. Pray that it encouraged you. I pray that it may have challenged you and having you to, you know, to think through some things in an uplifting way. And most importantly, I pray that it glorified God in a way where it pointed you back to Him and gave you clarity in that space as well. That being said, this is real rap with Cecil Daniels, and I was gonna say like a '90s reference, <laughs> but I was gonna say we out like something I don't know. We out like the shag in the back. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> That's a great reference. <laughs> But yes, with that being said, y'all have yourself a great night. God bless you guys. And until next time. Yes, sir. Peace.